This is Charles Zuta, the host of the Fountain of Life podcast, and I welcome you to today's episode. We'll continue with our theme, What Lies at the Gate, or What Lies at the Door. And we are looking at the situations that we have control over, the things that are closest to us, that may be speaking to us, that have a response from us, that desires us, and requires some kind of response from us, which if we ignore, comes with some consequences. So today, we want to continue with that theme, but just a brief recap from last week's episode, where we saw how Eli giving just a tepid response to what lay at his feet, that is, the abominable behavior of his sons, not pushing hard enough to restrain them, and thereby allowing them to run amok in God's house and God bringing judgment on Eli and his household. And we also saw what a real response should be like from Samson's example, where the Philistines were waiting for him at the gates of the city, lying in wait, waiting and longing for him to come along in the morning to kill him. But he arose at midnight and then he carried away the gate and its doorpost to a hillside overlooking Hebron. So, judging from these two situations, God judged Eli because he wasn't able to really deal with what lay at his feet. Something dealt with it and he avoided a huge fight on his hand. We want to continue to look at another scenario of how to deal with the things that lie at our gate. And I need to make it clear here that it's not always maybe sin that lies at the gate or maybe some crisis or something. Rather, sometimes God will lay things at our gate to speak to us, to rebuke us, to show us the way of righteousness. So it's not only only sin or danger that lies at the gate that elicits response from us, but also sometimes the voice of God, the directions that God gives will be at the gate. And if we don't pay attention to it, we may miss something valuable in life or it could compromise our destiny as the people of God. For instance, there are people who may be in church. And they may even be in the choir. They may do a lot of things. But they've never bothered to have a full salvation in Christ. That may surprise you. 
Or they may even be preachers who preach to others, but they themselves, they don't believe in the gospel. That may sound outlandish, but it's real. So there could be things that are at our door. We see it every day. We experience it every day. And it's the voice of God. It's the voice of righteousness. But we have chosen not to react to it. We've chosen to ignore it. And it could come with a heavy price if we ignore what lies at the gate. So today, let's turn our attention to what happens when righteousness is at our gate and what our response should be towards it. First, go with me to Genesis chapter 19. The background to this story is this. God said in chapter 18 that he's heard of all the terrible things that the people of Sodom and Gomorrah were doing. So, instead of sending fire and brimstone straight away to destroy them, he said he was coming down to see whether all that he's heard was true. That tells me about the goodness and the mercies of God. That even though there was sin, terrible sin in Sodom and Gomorrah, God didn't send judgment first. Rather, he was going to send mercy. And we see that when he allowed Abraham to intercede for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, all the way down to, I think, like five people or ten righteous people or something. But if God was so determined on judgment, he wouldn't have bothered listening to Abraham, would he? So, the premise of God sending righteousness at our, to our door is because God prefers to send mercy first instead of judgment. And when we ignore his mercy, when we ignore all that he's showing us, his love, his grace, his mercy, then we have earned for ourselves judgment. So Abraham had interceded for the people. He and God had agreed on the number to look for, to spare the city. And so in chapter 19, God goes over to see what he could find in Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember, he first sent mercy through Abraham's intercession. That if I find this number of righteous people, I'll save this city. Genesis 19 verse 1. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face towards the ground. And he said, Here now, my Lord, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night. Wash your feet, that you may rise early and go on your way. Lot somehow got assimilated into Sodom. But one thing that we can say for Lot was that he maintained the righteousness he had acquired as he lived in the tents of Abraham, the fear of Almighty God. So even though he was dwelling in the midst of depraved people, grossly, grossly wicked people, Lot stood out among them. So that day when judgment came, when God was coming to evaluate Sodom and Gomorrah to see if he could find righteous people there, 
Righteousness was sitting at the gate. Lot represented righteousness. But behind him was terrible wickedness and evil. If you go with me to 2 Peter, let's go to 2 Peter chapter 2. The Bible describes Lot very, very graphically about the kind of existence he had in Sodom and Gomorrah. In 2 Peter chapter 2, and reading from verse 7, this is what the Bible says from verse 7. So let's start verse 6. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterwards will live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by hearing and seeing their lawless deeds. So this is the Bible's opinion of Lot during the time when the angels came. He was dwelling in the midst of wickedness, extreme ungodliness. And even as he dwelt among them, his presence was going to be an indictment on whatever they were doing. And Bible says that day after day, righteous Lord tormented his soul in hearing and in seeing all the wicked deeds. So for the people of Sodom, righteousness lay at their gate. Would they respond to it or would they ignore it? It must be the same way, you know, sometimes, like you say, there may be people who may live just next door to a church. People might have reached out and evangelized and sent them Bibles and reached out to them. And yet they will die and perish. That is a tragedy. So what lies at our gate, sometimes it's not only just wickedness or sin. It could be God's mercy. God's mercy is lying at our gate. Begging for a response from us. Begging for us to change our ways. Begging for us to do something about our eternal destiny. So, whatever lies at our gate, if it's righteousness, it is going to declare the voice of God. He's going to declare the intentions of God. He's going to speak to our hearts and point us to the way of righteousness. The day when judgment came to Sodom and Gomorrah, righteousness was sitting at the gate. That is a fact that we need to carry with us. That it's not everything that is at our gate that wants to harm us or want to kill us. But they could become the voice of God for our lives if we pay attention. Do you hear God calling you maybe to pray more? Or maybe to repent of something. Maybe to amend something in your life, in your ways. And yet you see it every day and you ignore it. That Bible is lying on the dining table. You go past it every day, but you never bother to open it. And yet you have time for everything else apart from making time with God. And you feel that inner hunger in your spirit. And something is crying out to you and telling that, you know what? Make time for God. Make time for God. Make time for God. 
and yet we don't do anything about it. So when judgment came to Sodom and Gomorrah, what was lying at their gate was righteousness and pleading and begging. Let us see this in actual play out. So Lot takes the angels into his house. And when they went in, the men of Sodom saw wickedness, saw evil, saw an opportunity to do their debased things with these angels. So verse 9, the Bible says, and they said, stand back. That is, they were talking. So Lord went outside to plead with them. That, you know what? Don't do this. These are my guests. You know, don't, don't, don't even think of doing anything evil with these people. But they were so gripped with sin. In the presence of righteousness, they were so much in the grips of sin that they couldn't see past the pressure of their lust and their wickedness. So they pushed back hard on Lot. And this is what they said. Stand back. Then they said, this one came to stay here. That is referring to Lot. This one came to stay here. And he keeps acting as a judge. Now we shall deal worse with you than with them. So here it was. This is the mindset. Righteousness was sitting at the gate. Righteousness had been there all along. And the Bible says that they said this one came to stay here and he keeps acting as a judge. You see, so Lord wasn't silent. When he saw evil, he spoke up. The things that lie at our gate that are pushing us to righteousness, they don't keep silent. They speak up. You, they make you lose your peace. They make you uncomfortable. That prayerlessness makes you uncomfortable. That your inability you know, to, to engage with God, it makes you uncomfortable, but you ignore it. You see, so it's not everything that is lying at our gate that is going to harm us. Or to kill us. Sometimes God uses those things to speak to us. And we need to pay attention. So this is what they said they were going to do. They were going to more molest Lot even worse than what they planned to do for these people. The angels. Well, eventually, God was going to deal with them. They accelerated their own demise. Maybe... There could have been opportunity for redemption, but it was not to be. The angels had to accelerate judgment. And verse 11, the Bible says, And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. So that is a manifestation of wickedness right behind Lord's door. When righteousness goes away, evil comes to the door. It opens the opportunity for wickedness to come in. So when Lot went indoors, what stood outside was the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what was outside his door. You see, as children of God, our heart's desire should be to not ignore 
the messages, the things that God puts out for us to respond to. Let us go ahead and look at another example where righteousness laid at the door in the presence of sin and wickedness. So go with me to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel. And we'll look at the story of David and Uriah. And it speaks to why we have to pay attention to when situations we are given opportunity to pursue righteousness. Why we should not ignore it. So 2 Samuel chapter 11, reading from verse 6. So David had done, he's gone ahead, committed his adultery, and Bathsheba was pregnant, and he was going to dig himself into a hole. Like we learned in previous episodes, when you are in a hole, quit digging. So he devised a plan to kill Uriah, who done nothing. He's done nothing wrong. He was just like Lot sitting at the gate. Sodom and Gomorrah. Behind him lay rottenness of the highest order. So in verse 6, so Bible says, Then David said to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah had come to him, David asked how Joab was doing, and how the people were doing, and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house, and a gift of food from the king followed him. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and did not go down to his own house. So this is the scenario. David wanted Uriah to go to his own house, sleep with his wife, and then cover up the pregnancy. So he would now own the pregnancy. But Uriah wouldn't go. He had a clean mind. He had a good heart. We could say he was a righteous person, just like Lord was. So when David wanted him away from his house, Uriah was right at the king's gate and slept with the king's servants. Uriah represented righteousness. Righteousness was at David's feet, was at David's gate. But behind that, was just the decay of sin and wickedness. Verse 9, verse 10. So when they told David, saying, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, Did you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? Verse 11. And Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I shall not do this thing. That is righteousness. Uriah cared about the ark of God. He cared about his comrades who are out there in the cold, in the fields, who are seeing shadows of the enemy. He cared about his army, his role. He took it seriously. That was righteousness. And it was lying at David's feet. While the king stayed behind in Jerusalem, at the time when kings go to war, 
and was going to commit and that committed adultery and all that was wrong here we find Uriah at his gate and this is what Uriah says the ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields shall I go to my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife that is righteousness so if there was anything that was eliciting response from David at this point in time it should have pricked the conscience of David that goodness this man doesn't deserve to die this is somebody with a good heart Uriah practically was crying out that there is good let us pursue what is good but if you compare Uriah to David David's heart was in a dark place just like the men of Sodom they said this one came to dwell among us and he has always acted as a judge you see so the things that lie at our gate they speak to us righteousness they tell us you know what don't make this decision don't make this choice they speak and they represent the voice of God to us and it's up to us to respond to them because that way we get to move away from destruction to life. It's just like I keep saying, somebody who is in church every day but yet may die without making a commitment to Jesus Christ. For whatever reason, we may never know. Or a, a whole preacher who spends his years in the theological seminaries knows all the arguments and yet doesn't believe in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. That, like I said, that may be some outlandish examples, but that is how righteousness can lie at our gate and yet we choose the path of death. David saw Uriah and Uriah spoke into his heart. Uriah exposed righteousness and the virtues that God expects of his people. But David wouldn't listen. He didn't hear Uriah speaking. He didn't hear anything at all. Verse 12. Then David said to Uriah, Wait here today also and tomorrow. I will let you depart. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. Now when David called him, he ate and drank before him, and he made him drunk. And at evening, he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord, but he did not go down to his own house. Once again, David was doing everything he could to get Uriah to cover up for his David's sin. He made him drunk, thinking that Uriah would just go out and go into his own house. Rather, once again, for a number of days, he slept at the king's house. When God wants to send us a message of righteousness, God is persistent. He's sincere. He really wants you to get that message. So sometimes we may be praying, desiring, pushing for some things to go away. They won't. Because they carry the voice of God. They carry the message of God. And you need to pay attention. So here, after this, David knew that there's nothing he could do to convince Uriah to go. So he plotted to kill him. 
He killed him, he did. You see, the things that lie at our gate may not always be trials and temptations and all of those things. Sometimes they are the message in the bottle that God sent to us. We need to open them and read them. If David had for once even stood to listen to what Uriah represented, wholeness, righteousness, purpose, maybe, just maybe, he could have averted a lot of disaster. But he didn't listen to what lay at his gate. And he chose the path of death. Several people were hurt because of that to affect his rule and everything. So I believe that when God is speaking to us, we need to heed. He will bring things to our gate. And we need to know when this is the voice of God. This problem, this situation, this is God giving me the wake up call. I better listen, especially if you are going in the place of error. God, by His mercy, He will always send mercy ahead of judgment. Don't ignore it. Don't ignore mercy. God will bring mercy to your door. And you better pay attention. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I believe that as we continue in this series, God is blessing you. Next week, we shall look at another example of what lies at the gate. How we have to respond. Thank you so much. And if you don't subscribe to this channel, I'll say hit the subscribe button and you have access to this and all the other episodes that we already have. And then also, you'll be able to join in for future episodes and share the link to your family and friends as well. You could also download the podcast as the audio version of this series and all the other series that we have podcast on amazon in amazon podcast google podcast apple podcast spotify and all the other places where you get your podcast may god richly bless you thank you for joining me today of Matthew 11 28 to 29 Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest